Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Broad Show, Monday, the 1st of August, 2022. Um, something eerily familiar about this show tonight. I've got Pom with me after another loss. Hello, mate. It's back where we started, isn't it? Crips is in. We're getting excited. We got battered and Crips is in the votes. Just something, we're back where it started, baby. Something eerily familiar and comfortable about the situation. But, um, you know, we're going to unpack it. We're going to talk about it. There's a few things to talk about. I think the game is one thing. And then there's then there's the seriousness of the window that seems to be closing, which is this season. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll start with the fan cam compilation for the week and, and then we'll go from there. So stand by. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Tommy. I mean, that was a big, big, big pile of festering horse shit, wasn't it, really? Fucking horrible, wasn't it? From start to finish. I was their coach tonight. I'd be so angry. Because literally, what you've done for the last 13, 14 games means fuck all if you finish ninth. We're fucking in the eight. Wait, if this if these boys don't fucking want it now, they will never want it. That was a disgrace. Not good enough. Tactically, structurally, outplayed completely, and then effort was that was any any chance of sticking a tackle or? What is a banana? What is that fucking outside kick from ten meters out? Inside rubbish. Just. I oh, know that's not the real far out, man. That's one of the things, mate. Oh, he's too, mate. Kick that goal, man. There was someone on the inside too, man. Oh, I don't know, man. And, and, oh, I don't know. Oh, that was pretty bad, man. Because we couldn't lay a fucking tackle tonight. No, we could not. I really think this 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 club has has some really big cultural issues, deep seated. That, that we need to work through. And and I I don't know what breaks this nexus. Or what what do we do? I mean you look at you look at you look at Melbourne. Melbourne brought in Jordan Lewis. Brisbane brought in Luke Hodge. Who on our playing list at the moment do we have that knows what it takes? We we don't have anyone. It's a massive problem. The arrogance that we displayed in this game, I mean, it's it's been the same Groundhog Duck game for each game we've lost this year. We've all been by the same margin. It's all been predictable from the first five minutes, right? No. I mean, come on, mate. I'm not even a coach. I've had 20-plus years of this shit, you know, this fucking shit. Uh. That's the worst loss I've experienced throughout my whole life. Only probably because we've had something to play for. Nah, that was just. Uh, I mean, in its in, in the game in isolation was just absolutely shocking, terrible, poor, horrific, and I mean, it's just you know what I think the worst thing about that game is that everything up for grabs to lock in a final spot, and they've just um, they've been shown up by a bottom four team, which is. It, it was pitiful tonight, really. We got hammered. Yeah. That was the worst performance of the season by a milestone. Yeah. I, I haven't been that angry in a long time, man. Like, it was bad. I've got to relive that again. That was 2020, 2021. Steffi D nails it. Yeah. I mean, if someone can in the comments that I love him like a brother, Paolo. He's like a brother to me. I, I adore him. But what is going on with that jumper setup? <laughs> He's a classy man. Come on, sort it out. Yeah. Um, mate, let's begin. Firstly, thank you to our members of the channel. Appreciate your support. And uh, even if you're not a member, even if you're just watching, appreciate you being here. Um got a bit to unpack. And we've got a bit to talk about. So we're going to get stuck right into it. Um, we'll start with round 20. We'll start the process of uh, reopening the wound. Um, those of you playing along at home, three words. I don't know if you need three. 
three words to sum up round 20 while Pommy and I have a chat about it. Pommy, you know what's funny? The, the, the more further away from the game we get, the more angry I get about it. Like I, I was holding it together somewhat Saturday night and the, you know what it was? It was at work today, question after question from colleagues who don't even watch football. Huh, how did Carlton go on the weekend? Oh, sucks to be a Blues fan, doesn't it? Just one after the other, and it's like, wow, okay. The amount of dickheads at work today who were like, oh, I saw you on the fun cam. You weren't very happy with it. Nah, I was, I was ecstatic, mate. Honestly, that, that's me happy. Nah, spot on, mate. Um, I've got to say, though, firstly, before we get stuck into this, huge shout-out to you, Terry, how you sit for two hours and have people shout at you is a real testament to your mental fortitude, my friend. I, I don't know how you do it. I, I really don't. People only have to watch me on the live, and if I cop a bit of abuse, I snap when we lose. So, well done to you. But, now, um, lack of energy, lack of effort, lack of intensity, lack of respect of themselves, lack of respect of their own limitations. Lack of run behind the ball, lack of run behind the ball. It was it was literally, you've seen 10 minutes of what you saw in the entire game in Adelaide in all 12, in, in all games this year. In all games this year. And that was the event horizon, that was. And it all came together. It was, there was not many redeemable factors in that game for the boys. And as I said it on my fan cam, this is this is the game that 90% of this playing group has been waiting for. It's been the biggest question in the media from us, from internally, probably externally. Can you be finals? And it seems that the finals will underline a lot of the rebuild. That was the easiest event. And now how pressure works, if it was a 9 out of 10 mentally for them, that's halved because it's only a four and a, and a half out of 10. Next week is a 10 out of 10. Then the week after that's a 10 out of 10. And the week you've just experienced is a five out of 10. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And if you can't cope with the pressure at that point, you are never going to cope with the pressure. So it needs to be nipped in the bud now. Yeah. I was going to bring it up later on, but fuck it. We'll talk about it now. Um, this, that they had an opportunity on Saturday in a situation where they've been fairly protected by the pressure of finals from the communications of the club. Now, I don't know what actually gets said behind closed doors, but everything that gets said outside of that, you know, when we watch press conferences and we hear rhetoric or read rhetoric from the club is, you know, but for the most part, it's been centered around, we're not talking finals. We're just taking it one game at a time, which I kind of understand that, in round one, I do, because it's a new group, it's a new coaching system, it's a whole new scheme. I get it. But isn't it time to talk finals when you're one game away from clinching it? Like at some point, we're probably going to have to start realizing that, hey, we we want this. We desperately want this. And at some point, we're going to have to start talking about it. And I guess it's just come to me over the last few days, like, it's round 20. You, you can't shy away from finals talk anymore. You can't be protected anymore from it. The biggest time you experience hurdles is at the start of your journey and at the end of your journey. And this is the end of their journey, really. Once they make finals, a new door opens. I, I, if there isn't talk of finals and coping with the extended pressure at the football club, I question everyone from Sayers to the T's made at the football club because there has to be that conversation. And where we've usually seen these boys buckle is in-game. You saw these boys buckle opening game. The fumble from the opening bounce, it was a very clean and rudimentary clearance. No one wanted to take the ball cleanly. It eventually got festered out. And then, obviously, Pitonet got absolutely zigzagged from a rook stoppage from by Tex Walker, and he boomed it in. And literally after that, the pressure indicators of our players were all on show to see. And there's no way they were under pressure. I I, I want to reiterate, though, I don't buy into the nonsense that Nathan Buckley talked about today. 
that the players were damaged emotionally by JSOS not being in there. Because I can tell you now, my job is working in development. If you've got a group of people who are a little bit upset that someone's been disciplined or a decision's made, you probably haven't got a very good team that's sustainable for success. And that probably says a lot more about Buckley's coaching record than it does anything else, because that shouldn't be the case. Motivated, they should go out there and fight. And what we saw there was a total cataclysmic destruction of not only structure, but themselves. And you saw the inadequacies of a team defense and team attack when you can't stick tackles. That's a pride thing. That's an effort thing. Players started to back away 20 meters at a time to give themselves time. They started to just bomb it in 50 just to get the inside 50 count up and get a breather. That was literally as bad as it gets for this football club. And that's now something where you're going to be looking now at Wheatering, at Cripps, at Walsh, at T, Emma Voss, at all the guys in the back room, at Luke Sayers. Can they? It's all on them. Can they get these boys switched back on? Can they get them switched back on? Because it's not on the players from that point. The, the coaches now have got to lead. The leaders in this group has to lead because now the target is on you from the media, from the press, from us, from fans. That I'm telling you now, if you're ninth at the end of the season, psycholog psycho psychologically, these guys are ruined. You'll never recover from that. You'll never recover that. Eight and two to missing finals is huge. And if you underplay that, you will have a real lack of understanding of what goals are because they were lich eight and two. Most sides are talking top four. We're now talking about, oh, I hope Port can do us a favor next week. That is a worry then. That will be in the players' minds as well. So now it's leaders guiding them, guiding them. Yeah, there's an element of fear that now gets added to the equation because let's be honest, for the majority of the year, we've been comfortably in the finals, um, in the finals race and in the eight. And not that we're not that we're not comfortable. No, we're not comfortably in the eight right now. We're still, you know, a game and a half ahead, whatever it is. But just for the first time in a while, that fear starts rearing its head and it starts getting real. And the window of opportunity and the margin for error starts closing and the time runs out for, you know, learnings for the season because at the end of the day, the eight are going to make it. And, you know, I think, look, Sayaf says it well here. And I appreciate this, Sayaf. He said it was beyond disappointing. The amount of fans riding off our season is just as disappointing. It's just one game. We've bounced back always. So expect the same and have a little faith. Terry and Pom, thank you, boys. Appreciate that, brother. Um, I do think there's an element of that as well. Um, I, I sense that there was a real weight put onto the result of this game. And was that weight put on externally, internally? Um, I mean, it starts the selection. So let's, I mean, I suppose the selection is probably a good starting point because for some reason our fans are making an excuse for the players and the coaching group with that. I've got two things to say about this and it's really important. One, I was very disappointed with Voss post-game, dusting the question. Because the quickest way you gain respect of anyone that you're mentoring is admitting you've made a, 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 a mistake or secondly, doubling down that you back that in and the validation behind it is. The second one is, there's this, I've heard it on SEN four times today, the playing group rebelled. And some people have praised that saying, well, they're sticking up for the teammate. They're letting themselves down and the club down and the club always has to come before the individual. And I don't know anyone who's successful that would sacrifice the greater good for one person. The old army mentality, you will let someone die to save the squadron. You won't go back and risk 12 lives for one person. And that is literally good. That's that's good moral code. So I don't believe that for a second. This group is tight-knit. But what I do question is Voss made that decision. And some of his... I didn't quite buy into the reasoning. I liked I liked him making a statement of the selection table. I like that. And I think a coach should do. Whether it was the right person, time will tell. But what I don't understand is he said it was too tall if we played him. But that formation got him three and one against arguably a lot better sides. Richmond and Dogs shit all over teams like Adelaide. So my question there is, it was always going to be too tall if you play JSOS as a sub because the statistical chances 
if he's the sub of a, of a tall getting injured with 16 smalls would say to you that that wasn't going to happen. So that, there's another thing. And I would have liked Voss to either own it a little bit, which I thought he deflected it. And for me, that showed very poor leadership. I, I do stick up for Voss a lot. But for me, I'd be questioning that. I, I, if I was a player, I'd be questioning why he reacts like that. I don't know what he's done internally. But for me, you can take a lot away from someone's body language of what they're going to do five seconds later in the dressing room. And for me, that didn't look like a man who was going to come out there and say, boys, I got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am struggling to strike the balance between trying to read into it too much and understanding that there are still three games left. And there's, it's, it's crazy talk to say finals are done in this moment right now. Finals might be done in three weeks if we lose the next three in a row and end up the season losing four in a row, for sure. But in this moment right now, there's still so much that's still in our control. Um, and I suppose the only way to really look at the Adelaide game as an outlier, I don't know if it's an outlier now because you know there have been instances of these inconsistencies that rear their head throughout the year, which we've actually won games uh, with. Um, beat Brisbane this week. It's just as simple as that. Well, that's why I say it comes down to the leaders here because the players have got to hold their hand up. Being second to the ball, losing ground ball contests by 30, 25 in the forward half. That is on the players as well. That's not Voss. Do you know what I mean? Voss will not, and we can prove it by looking at when Carlton play well, how they dictate through the corridor and then the wing from the back half how they look to take contact and then initiate the handball receive from someone running past. You saw that in very small patches, but as soon as it got tough, you saw three quarters pretty much of old school vomit and take the safe options. And for me, that is a big thing as well. The players have got to look at themselves, but you've got to look at Voss there because he is the one, ultimately, when these troops go out to battle, like me at work with my staff, once they go out to battle for me, my work here is done. And all I can do is hope that they act on it. But now, it's okay saying fine. I, I want everyone to know at home, it's okay saying maybe finals is over. That's a good question because these players need to think that. Because if these players think there is an opportunity here to let it slip and it's still in our hands, that shows a bit of due diligence and care. So now we've got to break this down. Why did it happen? How do we stop it happening again? Because this isn't a rare feat. You've seen this in St. Kilda. You saw this against Richmond round one, and they had to work incredibly hard in that fourth quarter to win the game. This isn't a new thing. This is a new thing that you saw it from ball one till final siren. That is a new thing. But these issues have existed, and I'm telling you now, I don't think that has been addressed clear enough. And if it has, the message got lost. Yeah. It's quite fascinating how collectively and really evenly spread the disconnection was. Disconnection between each other, disconnection between player and opposition when tackling. I think it was 23 missed tackles or something like that. Um, but it seemed to be across the board. I mean, there were a couple couple of players that had really strong tackle numbers. I believe Kennedy and Chera both had nine. Um, both also had missed tackles. Um but you just started to see some holes defensively. You didn't see team defense. You saw Ben Keys burn Adam Saad with no one really there to cover. You didn't see small forwards at the, at the drop of the ball, which to be honest, that's been happening for quite some time now. And, you know, they're young and they're inconsistent. And, and there's, a there's, you know, whether you subscribe to the reasons for that or not is up to you. Um, I guess it all just gets ba uh, laid so bare in a loss like that. And we, we don't know yet if it's the end of something or if it's the catalyst for something. I'm a bit of an optimist. I think it's going to be the catalyst for something. I think, generally speaking, my best guess would be they got a little comfortable, 12 wins. I got comfortable. I'm thinking, yeah, well, no matter what, we're going to win this game. And I wonder if that little bit of that crept into them all the way through. Um, and if it did, we deserve to lose, which we did deserve to lose. Um, but again, there's still a lot to play. So I'm not completely writing it off yet. Maybe I'm naive. But um, at this point in the season, we, we, can't be, we can't be seeing that at this point in the year. 
do I subscribe that it's arrogance? Uh, I would be flabbergasted if any professional human being who gets paid with Carlton's win-loss record historically woke up that morning and said, fucking easy this, it's Adelaide. I mean, and if it is, I don't want to hang Voss because it's not Voss. I want everyone to be clear. It's a team game. So the coaches have to bear some brunt. Players, they have to execute it. And let's be honest, they didn't execute fuck all apart from I think they walked through the flag pretty well. So let's be honest. But for me, what worries me the most about that is it's basics, man. It's basics. And when you haven't got the basics right, you've got to look deep inside yourself. The ability to tackle, the ability to be in the right position. In that fourth quarter, there was three inside 50s going in there. And the closest person to Crum was Charlie Kerner. Charlie Kerner crumbing for Harry. Like, that was an unmitigated, unmitigated disaster. And if they did go in with arrogance, surely that first quarter woke them up a little bit. But my Mm. question would be to the playing group. If you're a little bit arrogant now because you've won 12 fucking games, go back and watch the ladder last year. Go back and look at the ladder 2020. Go back and look at the ladder 2019. And if you really want to fucking see how good you are, look at it at 2018. And then look at these fucking members that still signed up in record numbers to back you in after that. So if you think you've made it yet, guys, fucking good one. Because it gets Mm. a bit tougher. Eight and two. Now look where they are, what the win-loss record is. It's been unforgivable, this back half. So they have to switch on. But my concern is, yes, berate them a little bit. Give them self-belief. But they've got to shake out of it. If they don't get it right now, this is this is unmitigated. This is unmitigated. You, you are got, this will be talked about in 10, 15, 20 years' time if Carlton slip out of finals. Because that 8-2 record... You've got one foot in the door. People were talking about grannies in the media. So Kingy might come out and say Carlton are arrogant. Two weeks ago, he was saying that we were a smoky to win the flag. So I would say to David King, mate, that's a big conjecture statement, arrogance. If Carlton are arrogant, they're fucking misguided. Mm. Patrick Cullen with the five has asked, can we talk about game plan and us being outcoached a few weeks in a row now? Um I think this was the second or third time we lost the contested possession stat. Um, we know what we base our game around. Pommy, you're a lot more better to talk about this stuff than me. Let's talk game plan. Well, I mean, the game plan this week was a top. Well, there's three massive, massive fundamentals from Voss's game plan. So uh, last week, people were saying Carlton got beat in the midfield. They were plus 60 from scores in midfield turnover and when you combine clearances and stoppages. That is as close to a domination as you will see. So clearances and stoppages are only part of the avenue. What you saw this week, though, is Carlton got dominated in them numbers. And what happened is his GWS and Adelaide did the same thing. They flooded the centre. Now, what Carlton did really well against GWS was commit to width and they dominated post-clearance ball. And that is the most important stat in the AFL for the last five years. Do you know what I mean? In the last five years, all the top teams. And a great example of that is Richmond. They won clearances three times in their dynasty, in two of their dynasty years. It's post-clearance that matters because that creates escape and allows you to play football. But also, good post-clearance setup allows you to turn over their ball. And what Adelaide did is they took that short option away and Carlton folded. You suddenly saw that the second fundamental is take contact. You see Cripper do that in stoppages. Run, he takes one man, he takes two. Handball to Walsh, handball to someone else. Kills, it creates overlap. The second key part of that is overlap run. Overlap run. People running ahead of the ball carrier and then running back behind the ball carrier. This week that stopped. That stopped. Yeah. And that's what causes what you see when people say Carlton overuse the handball. Everyone's next to each other. They're playing hot potato, hot potato. Staggering stat, nine of the handballs Chera laid were handballs to a guy that was immediately tackled. And when we signed him, he was classed as a metronome for ball movement. A metronome for ball movement. Let that sink in. 
metronome for ball movement. If your metronome for ball movement is handballing to every tackled, what do you think that does from the top down to the bottom? It's game over. So for me there, what this is telling me isn't structure, isn't tactical, because they've done it in large parts. If we did it as a percentage, they've played the game plan a very high percentage of time. So we know they can do it. The biggest part of that, for me, is the mindset, the mentality, the mental fortitude of these players to execute Voss's game plan. But in turn, the messaging from the top to the bottom. And we always listen to Clarkson. Clarkson says he can only do so much. He sets the game plan. The lieutenants dictate the game plan. The lieutenants let the players down. The players let themselves down. And ultimately, you get that kind of fucking bollocks that you saw. Yeah, I mean, I had grown to enjoy this reliability with the group this year um, because we, whether they were close wins or wins that some people felt like we should have lost, we still won games in in matches this season where we've been inconsistent, we've been a little disconnected and almost played off fumes and just heart and passion and desire. Um that doesn't stick. That that, that that seems to have run out um, because this is a trend of 10 games, win-loss either side. I don't know how you look at this. Do you look at that as better consistency? Are we are we bridging the gap between our best and our worst because we don't go on three or four game losing streaks anymore? I'm not quite sure. Um, but I think the most damaging thing that we we and the club and the players could think is something like we're not 2020. We're not 2021. We're not, we've won 12 games this year. That's a really good thing. If you, if we start thinking like that, you are never going to improve. You are never going to improve. Mm-hmm. And if you start patting yourself on the back, because at the end of the day, let's be honest, the goal is to win the flag. If the goal is to win the finals, what the fuck are we doing this channel for? What the fuck yeah. are we paying our membership for? Do you want to just be eighth and have a September game? Is that what you want? Like, so there's no way, well, I I can't speak for the club. I'm just assuming there's no way they think finals is the end product. It should be quite simple now. We've got a system that can get us halfway there. It's the next thing. What's the next layer? What are Melbourne better at? And you watch Melbourne. You watch Richmond, right? They take the pressure, their game plan. People talk about, oh, we need a plan B, plan C. Name teams in the league that have plan Bs and plan Cs. None of them do. They all have a plan A with an adaptation. So they'll take a player out. They'll take a player out. But they impact their system. Clarkson used to talk about impacting his style on everyone. And he was very ruthless at it. And he could move personnel very quickly to still play that game. You watch Collingwood, you watch Richmond 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21. It's their game style all the time dictated onto the opposition and watch Carlton. We play someone dog shit. We dictate it. We're schoolboy bullies at the minute. And that's a mental fragility. Schoolboy bullies are the most mentally fragile people you'll see. Once you fight back, you give it a little bit back. You see what these players are really made of. And at the moment, when you just take away a little bit of the layer, they're made of fluffy marshmallows and we need to start to harden that up. Yeah. Well, they do. They do need to harden up. Um, We're going to talk on mentality in a minute. The other aspect of the game, and it's not, again, it's not just the game on Saturday night. It's a theme throughout the year, a defensive transition. Um, Maybe it's because we're Carlton supporters and maybe I'm getting a little too caught up in it, but I just feel like the way in which we turn the ball over more times than not costs us a goal. It's amazing. And I don't know, I don't know the answer to the question, like, why does it keep happening to the level that it does? I understand that there's so many aspects of the group that needed to improve from last year to this year, and maybe you can't just fix them all in one season, and I do appreciate that. But I don't know if I've seen a significant enough improvement in our defensive transition. I don't know what the numbers say to back it up, um, but it hurt us again on Saturday night. Well, up until round 18, the last six rounds, we were the number one side in scores from defensive transition. No, I mean getting scored on. Oh, sorry. Defending. Yeah. Well, I mean, what happens is, is I can explain that simply. Carlton are horrific at it. And it's the team it's the team ethos. So I want you to go back to that famous, famous bit of footage 
that Kingy Kane Corns has absolutely battered us about. It's that wonderful footage, Fogarty, and it's a really cleverly cut image as well. Fogarty comes in, do you know what I mean? Fisher's hanging on to him, and then Plowman comes in and he bounds him away like a like a thief in the night, and then bloody Paul O'Brien comes in. I don't know what O'Brien does. I think he gets hit by the ghost of something. And then Chera kind of just dives in front of him, you know. It, it reminded me of tackle training with my granddad. And sometimes I just used to get dirty so it looked like I'd tried. And and he slots the goal away. You go back to that, though. That is how Carlton get caught on transition. And I'm going to blame some players here. I, I will pick on them. Um, Setfield is one this week who, at the start of the game, when the ball came inside 50, was deep there. Was deep inside 50. Chera. One of our leading tackles inside 50, there's a problem when a fucking mid who rested at our forward is in the top tackles inside 50. They get a front of the ball. So what Carlton do, if this is the defensive 50, you've got your small forwards at the fall of the ball, your half forwards are the next layer, and then the midfielders are right on the 50 arc. And then Carlton crams 60 metres. So they try and force that exit ball to create the turnover. What Carlton do when we start to lose and... Andrew Lake had a good point. Carlton are really against stopping halfback flankers. Brody Smith took the pace. Oh, mate. They, they start to go back to buy themselves time. So think about it. You, it's logical. If Brody Smith keeps running past you and you were at the fall of the ball, you've got to give yourself 10 metres. It's a little bit like in golf. You watch your mate who slices the ball. The worst thing he can do is aim left because he's making his slice works. But logic is aim left, let the ball curve back in. Same with that. Voss demands them to be in them lines. If they're not, space opens up in and around the back. It's a very great method. Melbourne are probably the best exponents of this in the league. Carlton have kind of stolen it from the doggies and Melbourne. When that isn't correct, you can just run a little bit. And a great example, if anyone saw it, Jordan Dawson in the fourth caught the ball and he didn't come to a Carlton player to the halfway line. Halfway line was the first time he met someone because they all crammed in an area and he just went around the side of them. And that is what is horrific about Carlton. And that's why we get it. And it's about it. And look at that footage as well. Doc is running back into the screen because when Carlton are attacking, they overlap. The problem is, is when you overlap, if you don't fucking come back, guess who's there? Lockie O'Brien. Lockie O'Brien slotted into Doc's halfback flank spot. Does anyone see that as a problem? I do, because I love Lockie O'Brien, but his tackling, it's a little bit... Is a, I mean, it's, you might as well get Rex Hunt's fishing tackle box. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I guess the question is, you find, you know, you, there's a school of thought. I, I do subscribe to it. You find out a lot about your group when it does turn to shit. And I'm trying to think... Were there any players over the weekend who you thought actually tried to lift and stand up? I think there were a few. Um, what do you guys think at home? Was there anyone that you came away from that game? Yes, it was abysmal. And yes, most players were probably poor for the majority of the game. But I still think there were a few little little pieces there that did seem to want to at least step up to the pressure. Fourth quarter, we didn't see him all game, but Cottrell stood up. Yeah. When the game was on the line. Um, I'll give Cripper his props. Third and fourth quarter, put he he came out, he came out. Doc worked his ass off in the fourth. Do you know what I mean? He to no endeavor. There was a lot of mistakes from him, but I could see the intent. McGovern was brilliant. I love McGovern. I love Motlop's game. I love Motlop's effort and tenacity. Didn't mm. stop chasing. He had a fucking horrible job in that forward line. But I'll tell you what, go back and watch every one of Brody Smith's touches and look at the poor bugger who's come off his man to chase him. And there is some great footage. It's around the second. Brody Smith gets the ball and Cottrell, I've just given him some props, but didn't chase him. Yeah. Didn't chase him and Motlop peels off his man to chase him and force him to kick it. So for me, they're the guys that I was kind of had a smile for. But for me... In the end, too late. Correct. Don't really want to do votes, to be honest. Um, uh, not interested in giving votes out. I know that Cripps did get recognised for his game. He was um, he was awarded four coaches' votes. You know, he, you know, he he did have a crack. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, I think the other part of the game, which I just want to touch on briefly, was the situation with Adam Saad. I, I, I was really, obviously, it, it's disgusting, and I'm just in a in a point in my life where I understand that it's not going away anytime soon with the structures that we have in society to really educate people. It's just not good enough at the moment. But I really had a lot of appreciation for the way Adam Saad responded to it. Um, I think it showed great character in a, in a really shitty night because obviously we're all disappointed with the result. I think the way Adam Saad handled himself was, was pure class. I just wanted to touch on that briefly. If you want to change the world, Adam Saad is everything that will change the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's okay saying name and shame and shit like that. Right. And there's a big difference here between him and Adam Goods, in my opinion. Adam Goods made it like everyone thought like that and everyone should be punished. Sad there for me. If everyone was like that, every ill in the society was treated with the dignity, the intelligence and the humility of Adam Saad. Tell you what, we fucking live in utopia. Hats off to him. What what a fucking hero. What a role model. And uh, I adore the bloke. I adore the bloke. And I condemn what was said to him. Do you know what I mean? And I hope the person who did it is educated and sees the error of their ways. And But Adam Saad, man, fuck me. What a human being he is. What a hero. Absolutely love the bloke. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's touch on some things that we've brought tonight. I guess it is around the mental game. Uh, and that is something that is not a quick fix. Um, Pom, I'll put this, this image up. Talk us through what, what you've got here. So this is 99.9% .9 of my work as a development coach. So being in charge of training and development, this is something that I give to my management trainers. Now, this is something that's really hot at the moment in our management. It is our ability to handle pressure, our teams and how it works and how it's linked to performance. And I thought it was quite interesting that we'd bring this out. And it's very important, your mentality. So what we're talking about here in a football term is what we call in the trade pressure triggers. Everyone has pressure triggers. And a great example of a trigger for those following at home, how many times do you lock the door and your missus, you get in the car, and she goes, my wife did it to me this morning, goes, did you lock up? Uh, yes, I think. Oh, shit, I better go and check. Now, how we handle pressure is subconscious. So if you bring that graph up again, I'll talk you through how you fix it. Now, there's an old school mentality, and I know we're all angry, people saying what we need to do is bring your gum shields Monday morning, and I'll work you in. What I'm telling you now for a fact is what Carlton's issues are based on stats, the eye, is how they handle pressure. And that can be fixed, but it's very hard because it's a habitual learner, right? So what you've got here in the bottom is the elements of pressure you'll face. Now, these can be internal or external. Um, internal being the hardest to fix, but you've got low, medium, high, and extreme. And then up on the side graph, you've got your low to high output performance. And you can see here how you deal with it. So there's many ways. So you've got apathetic is a really good one. Now, Carlton would have been apathetic probably around the David Teague days. So what apathetic is, that's where there is a sense of medium expectation, medium pressure internally, medium into pressure. And it's kind of an easy job. If you ever worked a job where you look around and cunts are working as hard as they can and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? This is easy. A bit like my job when I was at McDonald's. I was an apathetic person. Uh, it was too easy. And this is very interesting because the output you get here is the same as burnout. It's the same as burnout and that, as we call end game. If you're an end game situation, there's no coming back. If you get into them red zone at the end, tell you what, quit. You, you, you're dead. You're dead. And spending too long in there is equally as bad as spending too long in the end game zone. And what you've got to do here is you've got to motivate them. You've got to find goals. You've got to find goals. And you'll see the middle one is the green path, rolling goals. We call this at my work and when I was a golf coach, rolling goals. It's changing the goalposts all the time. So the end result is written in stone, but the journey is written in sand is a good little metaphor. 
It's rolling goals. And you'll see here that there's these red arrows, comfort and strain. Now, that is when someone is under-motivated or over-goal-orientated. And that is where we're looking at training managers. That's when you're looking at your leaders. If, if they, they spend too long in that area, you're screwed. Now, the perfect area is from that rolling goal. So what Carlton have got to do now, if I was involved in the club and anyone who wants me to come and work for them, hit me up in my DMs. I'm very good at this. But what is really important is you've got to firstly find out what type of learner they are, but also find out their triggers. Now, I can tell you pretty much everyone, every Carlton trigger you see under pressure. So a great example, Harry Mackay. When the situation hits, you see him very genuinely run round and hit that banana. And nine times out of ten under pressure, when it's what we'd call a hot zone goal, which is two goals within, he misses and he does that. It's funny that there's been a few times from them set shots he's dropped punted it when Carlton are ahead. Another pressure indicator we see, Doherty. When he hasn't got the inside kick, he goes and opens the angle up on his left side booms it straight out of bounds on the full. Plowman, the cross-field kick, the switch. Interesting enough, he has done that 20 times this year when the pressure against has reached 190. That is a pressure tell. Now, these players won't do it. So how do you fix it, Uncle Pommy? Very hard to fix, to be honest. It's very hard. But first... You've got to make people aware of it. So what I want to talk about here, and it's very important as a fan base, be angry, but think of what you're doing. Fear is a deadly thing. And the only way you get rid of fear is love. It's the only way. It's the only way. Whether it's management, sport, you have to be loving. Because if you anger yourself, you scream at them, you shout at them, you actually only offset the fear and the fear becomes greater. So if I was shit scared now, being within six points, you scream and shout at me and you call me a C-U-N-T, now I'm scared 12 points. Now I'm scared when I'm six ahead. I make the fear. So what you've got to do is identify the fear. So I guarantee you now, Carlton don't have a clue why it happens. And I bet if you sat Plowman down, he wouldn't have a Scooby because last week people were saying he was all right. This week he's not. So he is the keys. Have you locked the door? Plowman wouldn't have a clue he's done that. And he's probably been shown it now and he's probably been berated and called a fucking spud. But what you've got to do is you've got to work back. So you've got to create what we call systems of suffering. Systems mm. of suffering. And it sounds horrible, but you've got to create a system for that employee or that person to be able to thrive. And you do that three ways. One, it's personal learning. It's one, having a great understanding of what you do and why you do it. And you ask that by reverse engineering it. So if I was doing it with Plowman, I would show him that footage and say, are you aware you did this? And he'd probably say no, and then I'll show him two, three, four, five, six examples. So he's like, oh, fuck, I do do this a lot. Then I get him to go back to it and ask him why he did it. And then the third bit is you'll find it's other players can help him out. Do you know what I mean? Sad making that intersect run. Then you work backwards. Sad, why didn't you make that intersect run? Oh, I was being tagged. Okay, cool. What I'll do now is I'll switch you a Newman round in game, or I'll try and get you further up the ground. These are very simple things, but it's about identifying it. So a good example is Richmond, Collingwood, Melbourne. They have senior figures there who know. And that yeah. is the very important thing. You need someone who knows what they're doing to fix it. And you also need someone who knows what they're doing on the ground level to fix it. So like me at work, was a pro golfer. I coached top 100 golfers. I was a drug addict. I, I've got a lot of reasons why. I know how to fix things, not just from school and training and education, but real life experience. But then I am very fortunate that I've got some beautiful people I work with who are jets, who are jets and they get it. Without them two cogs, you on the ground floor can't fix it. But you are the most important ingredient. So that for me is where we are now. And what is very important now and why I'm telling you this is a serious area is it's make or break. Because if you get this wrong, you only ingrain it. And my question to the coaching department is, this isn't new. I can go back to Plowman's draft year, and I remember him well. He had the same deficiencies. Harry Mackay and juniors had the same deficiencies. Sam Doherty, same deficiencies. Most people's, and this is you at home. I'm talking to you at home. 
Most of the things you do under pressure or stress, they're very similar. You've done all your life and you don't actually know you do it. Great example is drugs. For me, when I was a kid, I distracted myself and I was one of these people. See no evil, hear no evil, hear no evil, see no evil. When I was under a bit of stress, when I got older, that was alcohol. When I got a bit more older, that was drugs. It distracted me, right? And then when I realized what it was, oh, I got it. Do you know what I mean? I get it now. I run away from my problems. I'm a big, stinky coward. And once I accepted that, I could become a man and face up to my problems. It's the same with these players. I'm not saying they're cowards. But what I'm saying is it's about learning your issues, learning what your thing is. And it's a self-development thing. Very hard to fix, though. And like I say, there's always a fear you get into that far red zone. When you're in that far red zone, the end game, game over, there is no bringing you back. There is yeah. no bringing you back. It's impossible. It's game over. Well done. Well, is, that, is that what we experience, do you think, towards the end of Bolton's tenure, Teague's tenure? Did we was it was it just too far gone? Is that what just happened with North Melbourne with David Noble? I, I, I don't think I, I don't think Carlton are at end game. I think where Carlton are is somewhere between that comfort stage. And that rolling goals. Yeah. I think that's where they are. I think they're very comfortable. And this might help the people at home with when they're saying they thought they were arrogance. I don't see arrogance in their behavior. I see comfortability. I I see it in my teams every day, particularly some of the sales staff around this time of year, end of financial year. They've made big two grand commission checks. They're all like this. I've seen like five Aldis in the car park today that are brand new because people are rolling their money. Do you know what I mean? But the problem is, is they can become very, very comfortable because it's nice being praised. It's really nice. And you've got to think of these players. If you're Lockie Plowman, you've been called a spud ever since you signed for Cowan. Suddenly now you're not called a spud as much because the team has won 12 games. So there's an element of comfortability and you see it in the fans as well. There's an element of comfortability, but comfortability is a very fucking dangerous place. Because if you bring that graph up one more time, there's my favorite place. There's my favorite place. And this is called the zone of ego. And the zone of ego is very, very dangerous when you live in the zone of ego. ego. And basically, the zone of ego is everything's okay. Everything's all right. Do you know what I mean? It's... It's the people in there saying, don't blame Vossi, blame the players. That's the zone of ego. That's the players saying, oh, it's not me, Voss. You drop JSOS. Again, zone of ego. And nine out of ten people will live in the zone of ego. It's a plausible deniability of who you are, of what you are. And managers, leaders live in zone of ego a fucking lot. And you can see here, this is management training genuinely people live in that dangerous zone of ego area. And it's not a bad thing. It's just literally turning a blind eye and finding a reason that might not be you. Might not be you. And it's very easy. And I'll give an example. It's very hard. In The hardest thing you ever do at work, and when you've got kids, this is a great example. When your kid has got chocolate on his face and some dickhead's eaten your chocolate bar, you'll say this. Did you eat the chocolate bar? No, dad. And it's all over the place. Zone of ego. It's very hard to say this. Dad, I did it. Dad, I did it. And accidentally, we we, we learn to be in zone of ego very quickly because genuinely our parents bollock us and it creates a trigger for telling the truth gets us in trouble. Now, yeah. there is great psychological research in over-disciplined kids become criminals. A lot of people think underdisciplined kids do. Research shows over-disciplined kids become criminals or become ne'er-do-wells because of that. It's the reinforcement. So what we do as adults, as trainers, is we try and remove that, remove it and break it back and relearn it. Very easy to do, very hard to learn, very hard to learn. But if you've got the right people in the right place, you can see a turnaround in three or four weeks. Yeah. Well, listen, the next three weeks, the pressure, the heat, the intensity, 
of the opposition coming at us is going to be at a finals intensity, at a top four level intensity. Um, you could argue that Adelaide brought finals intensity on Saturday night. Um, so I guess my question ultimately is what is the story going to be from, you know, message from coaching group to players and how are they going to absorb the message to put themselves in the mind frame to get that focus back? Because they've done it. I don't know if we've quite seen the full focus of them just yet. I don't think they've been able to achieve it just yet. There might've been one or two games. Um, but this, this team is so clear when it's there and when it's not. It's so evident when they're not fully switched on. Spot on, mate. And what they've got to do, and I'm not saying sack Voss. I just saw a comment. Is Pom saying sack Voss if we don't make finals? No. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'm saying that you've got to have an understanding of how, how it goes. What the boys... I think the best message for these boys is they've got a great opportunity, Tez, like you've said, to show it. They've got three weeks to show it. And they're going to have to do it the hard way. And let's be honest, even if they beat Adelaide, they'd have to be a side that they face in finals. All that's happened is we've brought it a week forward. So they can't put too much pressure on themselves, but they have to have an understanding of where they are. Now, I would say the best advice, if I was Voss, would be spend a day analysing where it went wrong and really get into the crux of why they did what they did. Was that me? Was that them? Was that a combination of both? And it'll be a combination of both. But then it is going out there and you've got to get them to be bold. What I'm saying with Carlton is I think the biggest issue is they aren't brave enough. So the pressure comes because they cause it. Just fucking attack. And that is what they did. Adelaide, like you say, finals football. They came and they said, fuck it. If we lose by 60, we lose by 60. But we're putting our show on for our fans. That's what they've got to go out. They go out there, put on a show. And you know what? I would be saying this. Die trying. Die trying. If, I, I would say next week, I would give them a free pass if I was the coach. Say, we're going to work for when we're back in Melbourne, but we're away this week. I don't care if we lose by 100, but these are my non-fucking negotiables. You make a tackle, you fucking stick it. You run hard for each other from start to finish. When the pressure comes, run for each other. Play for each other. Yeah. Communicate. I'm there for you. When Walsh gets the ball, don't worry, Walsh, I'm here, mate. If you need me, handball it to me. And then that next person is there. Back to basics. You, it's, it, we need two wins to be mathematically possible to be forced in without help. That's the aim. So mm. let's look at this and go hard. Because I would be saying to the boys, the only way you can miss finals and not be suicidal is by not leaving anything at the door. Correct. You don't want to be sat there, October, end of season review, and for three games you go, well, I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done this. You want to be going, nah, fucking tried everything. Tried yeah. everything. It's so ironic that we we had this period of the year where we had the most important players in the team out and we're talking about wait till Weedering comes back, wait till Pitto comes back, wait till um, whoever, wait till they're back in the side. We're about to lose, I think we're about to lose three players who were in the starting 22 over the weekend. I'm pretty sure Corey Durden won't play, pretty sure Newman won't play and pretty sure Matt Kennedy won't play. Um, it's funny at times, it's ironic that when we seemingly have it up against us because we're lacking this and we're lacking that, how it's forced others to really step up. We've seen it with Lewis Young. All of a sudden, McGovern's in the side. He doesn't look like the same player, Lewis Young, at this stage. Um, maybe we'll touch on the selection. What do we do this week? <laughs> because I don't think George Hewitt is going to be ready. I, uh, I believe the way Voss explained it, uh, last week was he's still probably a week away after after the Adelaide game. Um, what now? Who's left? Well, I mean, it's a simple thing. And I think you've nailed it there. When the chips have been down, the boys have stood up. Mm. Just remember that graph. Low pressure, very easy to get to the high output. Because when no one expects anything of you, you've got freedom. If you lose, you lose. Because... Wheatering's injured this week. Oh, if we lose, it's okay. Hewitt's injured. Durden's injured. It's okay. We're up against it. Makes it a little bit easier. It's harder when you've got all the things in place. But I'm with you. And you know what? People are going to love me. Maybe it's time. 
maybe it's time to end the Vospiracy and bring Dow in. And the only problem is, is in the VFL, Dow wasn't brilliant. He's probably had his two worst games the last couple of weeks. But you know what? Tell you what, if you wanted to make a statement, and you know what? You know how I feel about Dow. I don't think he's, I don't think he can do it, right? But now's the time to put the faith in him. If I was Voss, I would be saying, look, Kennedy's out, mate. You've waited in the wings for the last 12, 13 weeks. Go for it, kid. Go for it, kid. Show me what you're made of. Show me what you've got. Because he's got to be hungry. He's got to be hungry internally. And let's see it. Let's see this hunger. But, I mean, looks like George Hewitt's out for the year. Zach Williams, that, that's a continual week, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, fuck knows what's going on with Zach Williams. If anyone goes down to Chadston this week, asking what he's fucking doing. That, that, that's it now. These boys have got to step up. And I'll be honest with you. I couldn't give two shits who plays next week. I yeah. just want to see 22 boys play in the desire and the effort that they have shown all year. And don't let them slip now. If they slip now, game over. Yeah. I think Stocker is unavailable as well because he was concussed. Concussed. Kemp, if, if you were going to ask me, Kemp would come in for Plowman. Kemp was exceptional. And that's before March Bank. Kemp would be in all day long. Sausage would come bank? in. What? Over March Bank, yeah. For me, why? Why keep bringing him in? Do you know what I mean? Why bring him in? Like, go Kemp. Kemp deserves the form. Um, Fogarty would probably come in. For Kennedy, if I'm honest, he played the Hewitt role um, and he's got a good body of work. And you know what? Durden would come out and I'd bring Dow in. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and let, let's see what it's about. Do you know what I mean? That's where Fogarty has played a little bit on the ball, cross half forward, been very good with his tackle pressure, does the basics well. And Jay Soss has to come back in, doesn't he? I mean, Boss think... has got to cop that one. I think... Uh... Something tells me that'll be the last time we see Jack Silvani not in the, the 22 when he's healthy. I don't know. Just got a hunch. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And I'm not a fan of Satterfield. I was very disappointed in Satterfield this week. I thought that was the chance to step up. But maybe you give him another week. Maybe. I'd love to see Hayes come back in the side, what he's like fitness-wise. I'd, I'd love to know because for some reason when can't have a suspension, they come back unfit. So I, hopefully he's fit, but Hewitt would definitely be in. I mean, Hayes would definitely be in, but I'd imagine we've lost Durden and Hewitt for the home and away season. I've got a horrible yeah. feeling. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it doesn't sound good with Hewitt. Um, the image I have in my head of the Lions this week, because I, I watch them more times than not. Uh, I, I love watching them play. God, they're thick. And God, they tackle really hard, especially at home. Um, but that excites me because everything we've done up until this point in the year, ultimately we're going to, you know, it's like the school project you've been or, or your, your assignment. You've been studying for however long we've been studying all the way through to round 21. We get to Brisbane, we get to Melbourne, we get to Collingwood, more so Brisbane and, and Melbourne. We've, you know, we've, we've played Collingwood and we know what happened there. And I still back us in to beat Collingwood on another note. We'll talk about that when we need to. But Brisbane and Melbourne are two teams that have been at the top for the better part of the last, what, five years, four or five years. Um, Brisbane in particular are tough, <laughs> thick men. And I'm looking forward to seeing, because you're going to find out the truth, the real truth. Maybe you can make a case that, you know, it was Adelaide, the boys dropped their bundle a little bit, they got a little bit confident. Maybe, maybe. You can't do that against Brisbane. You do that against Brisbane, at the Gabba, it's 10 goals minimum. So I'm keen to see who we're going to find out is able to, to to hang with the finals pressure with these top four sides. Mate, spot on. And like we were talking about that pressure handling, it's the same as my philosophy with golf. You've got to remember the mind is a very simple thing. Before there was all this research, there was just you. And we evolved as caveman with a very good understanding of what to do. The same with sport. Clever people didn't invent sport. It's very simple. Golf, I always said it was peasant Scottish farmers. You can't get much more stupid than that. So why do we overcomplicate the game? So for me, I'm with you. This is a tough, these are three tough games. What a way to go into it. And you know what? Two out of three, they come charging into finals, don't they? And they're going to have to have finals now. It's basically dress rehearsal finals. Do you know what I mean? They it's lose the best, all mate. three of them. They are playing. 
you can't have three better practice matches as if, I mean, if you're going to deserve to play in the finals, you can't have a better tune-up. It's the best possible situation. And also, on the other end, let's just say, let's let's just talk about worst-case scenario. We lose all three. Well, we find out really quickly what we're going to do with the list at the end of the year and who can handle it and who can't and whose chances have run out. Because there's quite a few of them that I would say are on close to their last few chances with belief in what they're going to be able to produce. Mate, there isn't much there isn't much time left. So that's why I'd love to see, like, I know I've been against him, but now's maybe the time for Dow. Three weeks, four weeks, and you never know. Do you know what I mean? There's there's something there. I, I, I'd hope whoever comes in this week, because the VFL from memory have got a buy. Someone might want to check that for me, but they're just going to be sat at home doing fuck all. So you might as well. You might as well. And you know what? Let's let's look at best case scenario. Suddenly, Kemp comes in. He's worked really hard on his defensive craft on these ground balls. Looked very good this weekend. And the forward, he slotted forward and looked, took a peach and a good goal. Suddenly, there's there's a swing. Do you know what I mean? A swing man created for the finals. Just imagine it. Carlton win two out of three. Suddenly, we won a finals. Fucking hell, we got Kemp's. Fuck Marchbank. Who cares about him? We got Kemp and we got Kemp and McGovern just pinging marks left, right, and centre. Dow does have a flyer. Suddenly you've got that question. Is Kennedy Cripps and Chera? Is it a little bit Kennedy Cripps and Hewitt? A little bit too one-dimensional. He's playing for his career. Do you know what I mean? He's playing for his career. If he really wants to play for Cowan, can play finals and it could be a huge thing. Not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying there is opportunity. Opportunity. So we saw Voss last week. Was he foolish? As my granddad used to say, when I used to ask him, granddad, how do you win a general service medal? He said, don't ever call me a hero. The only difference between being a hero and an idiot is the result. Um, so that, that's what Voss did with dropping JSOS. But we've seen he's got brills and balls. Make some calls here. And you know what? Injuries have helped you. And you never know. Carroll. I'd love to see Carroll get a going. He hasn't been great, but neither was Motlop in reserves. Some players just look down. Now, I'll, I'll give you a smoky tip. Jack Martin will play this week. And I'll tell you what. My boy, Jack Martin, he's fucking fired up. Expect something special from Jack this week. I'd bloody well hope so, mate. I would bloody well hope so. Um, Carl's, wow, $80. Thanks, Pom and Tess, for an awesome show. As someone who was a therapist, this relates so much to every aspect of people's lives, not just in footy. The boys have done us proud already. Work in progress. We are not the final product just yet. Go Blues. Good on you, Carl's. You are a legend. Um, queen of chat. The, she is the queen of chat. Um, mate, that's an hour. That was great. I feel so much better. <laughs> oh, but there you are. You got to see work mode, Pom, as well. Yeah. That's that's how most people know me, not as the the guy who makes sexual innuendos about his nan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, Paul Sebastian has read my mind. First of all, I think this was the best show we've ever done. Secondly, is there something else we haven't covered? I don't know. No, we've done VFL. I don't even want to talk about the VFL. Um, Look, it's time to move on. We consider and sulk about it. We're pissed off. We've said our bit. The emotions have come and gone. There's three games left. I know people are thinking worst case scenario. All of a sudden, Brisbane are going for a four-peat. Melbourne are a dynasty. And, uh, you know, Collingwood are in 2011 again. But we can beat any team on any given day at our best. We can also lose to any team on any given day when we're at our worst. We've seen both sides. Um, we get to lose two in a row this season. Does that mean anything this week? Absolutely not. But I don't think it's season over just yet. I still think uh, this group have some things to prove, and they've been proving it all year. So um, let's let's be sure to just remember that. Paul, appreciate you reminding me. Tomorrow, Tuesday, big day. Starts at six a.m. with the Almost Blues Brothers. I almost forgot it. And then tomorrow night, it's episode 46. Have a look at this one. Start again. Yeah, doesn't matter how many times we start on us. G'day, baggers. It's Dave Ellard here, former 46 wearer of the Blues Jumper. Make sure you like me. You're tuning in on Tuesday nights to the Jumper Punch, 8 o'clock. Be there. Fantastic. He only took two takes. Well done, baby. You understand.
mate, I was in a trance. I was so enthralled by the show. I just forgot what to do. You rattled me. <laughs> Sorry. I, I apologize. T- no, typical Paolo as well, you know, just reminded everyone he's on a show. All about himself is Paolo. That's why well, I get t- on with him. Well, tomorrow's going to be a good show. Tomorrow's going to be entertaining, I think. Uh, from what I'm told, uh, Little Birdie tells me that Paul's call tomorrow is absolutely not to be missed under any circumstance. Uh, so be sure to tune in to that tomorrow. Also, subscribe to the Jumper Punch YouTube channel. We need to get them to 1,000 subscribers. Uh, I think we can do it before the end of the season. So uh, let's be sure to do that. Get around each other. Pommy, thank you, mate. Appreciate you. Uh, really cool to see where you've come from and where you are right now, mate. It's been an honor and uh, I look forward to what's to come. Yeah, make sure you sub to Pommy and Oz as well. We're nearly at 3K. Come yes. on, get, get over there. It's a bit like this, but a little bit more uncut. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Go Blues. Go Blues.